I'm a joker. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a coker. I'm not a coker. I'm a convenience store Delta 8 smoker. Which, uh, give me one second. One more for the road. You know what they say, hit it till it blinks or your bussy stinks. <laughs> Welcome to the Sweaty Oracle Podcast. We are at war currently with David Gordon. If you're wondering who David Gordon was, I was too last night when I got an email that a blue verified theater reporter, theater reporter in huge air quotes, had, had kink-shamed me on Twitter. So let's go back for a minute. I make a video about how I do not report on Broadway blinds about Broadway performers' sex life because uh, there's all kind of kinky shit going on Broadway. Like, like, like consensual. There's bad kinky shit, but there's consensual kinky shit, too. There's a group of Broadway directors and creatives and professionals, huge-name people, who get together for orgies and then give out tickets to each other's currently playing shows afterwards. I know people who have been... I know people who have been invited. <laughs> anyway, I made a uh, I made a video, a TikTok about how I would never report on those things with like names attached. Uh, and I said I can't kink shame Broadway for being kinky little fiends because I'm a kinky little fiend. I like to I like to smell socks. And David Gordon tweeted something nasty about that and I and and then I made a video and TikTok deleted it and gave me a community guideline so I guess I'm just going to say it on here David David I know you run a dying publication he runs Theater Mania and I know what all of you are thinking Theater Mania who cares about Theater Mania <laughs> No one no one cares about Theater Mania but David David Gordon Mr. David Gordon, Mr. David Gordon, whose LinkedIn says his knowledge base includes Adobe Creative Suites, AP Style, and Microsoft Office. What a range, Mr. David Gordon's. <laughs> Mr. David Gordon, it's interesting to me that, like, like just, just, just the data-wise, you have reported air quotes more about how I like to sniff a girl's gym shoes than you have I don't know I remember when Beetlejuice was originally on Broadway and one of its high school stars was dating an adult member of the Broadway community an adult member of the Broadway press community David I have no proof that you know him, but why didn't you report on that, David? It seems more uh, pertinent to the Broadway community that you report on that uh, rather than report on the sweaty oracle be sucking some toes, huh? The sweaty oracle does be sucking some toes, huh? Maybe, David, if you were sucking some toes, uh, you wouldn't be so pent up. And you wouldn't be acting this way. And you would be using your substantial, well, you'd be, I don't want to say substantial platform. You'd be using your platform, air quotes, to like talk about, to like bust a giant Broadway Me Too scandal, which you have the resources to do. 
We all know the names. This is an open secret, just like Harvey Weinstein was, just like Bill Cosby was, just like it always is. Tale as old as time, story as old as rhyme. Oh, boy, everybody knows what directors do casting couches. I posted a video last night and bleeped out the name of a director who does casting couching for his male ensemble who has been known over and over again to take pretty little young male dancers to pri uh, to a uh, fire island for private auditions and i beeped out that name and purposely put the subtitles over my mouth hoping people wouldn't read my lips and everybody got it everybody knows who these people are it just takes a journalist with a little bit of resources to put it together and blow it open but broadway seems like it has been on this long, long, long train of protecting these people with all of their might, and they use the press to protect these people, and that's why you don't see articles about the bad things that Broadway people do. That's why the giant New York Times Me Too article that was supposed to come out around Thanksgiving 2017, which named the director I was just talking about, that's why that never came out, because Broadway Broadway and the press, the Broadway and the theater press, rather, have this pact that they are going to protect the abusers together. Shame. Disgusting, David. Much more disgusting than me licking the sweat off of a soul. S-O-L-E, not S-O-U-L. One cannot lick the sweat of the S-O-U-L. That is only for God to do, David. Anyway... I feel like the best protest against David Gordon and his kink shaming, his ingrievist, his his disgusting kink shaming would be for you to send me your used socks. Uh, inquire at juicytheaterT at gmail.com. That's theater with an R-E. We may smell socks here, but we spell theater the correct classy boy way. <laughs> now now that we now that we uh we've gotten the pudding out of the way, let's get to the meat, huh? <laughs> this is a weird podcast. I've recorded this podcast like this is the third time I've tried to record this week's podcast and I just have not liked what I've been recording and I don't want to put out something bad to the people. I like you people. I want you to only have my A game. And actually the first podcast I tried to I tried to do this week, I went live on TikTok to do it, which was something I was experimenting with. And uh and the Italians entered the chat. An Italian girl entered the chat and was very upset that uh that I was upset that I said her people can't play Anita and West Side Story but I didn't make a video about Jennifer Lawrence playing an Italian. Uh, and that person got me banned from TikTok Live. So that was attempt number one. And attempt number two just wasn't that good. <laughs> also, while I was recording attempt number one, I got this wild email that really threw me off from Patreon. <laughs> and it was uh, the people from the Wicked movie uh, were, were sent in a complaint to Patreon that I got the title page for the first, uh, I got the title page of the script and I got like a paragraph from the script 
uh, someone gave it to me and I put it on my Patreon. I think I'm the one, I think I am the one, the only one who's leaked the first movie is called Wicked Defying Gravity. Ooh, ooh, cool. Ooh, original audiences will love it. The song at the end of it. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I got a takedown from Patreon. Who uh, they they got a complaint that they needed me to take it down, which means NBC uh, Universal, somebody somebody from NBC Universal had to buy their way into my Patreon for a month uh, in order to report it. So I just wanted to say thank you for uh, thank thank you to NBC Universal for the ten dollars this month. It was used on uh, the gas station Delta Eight cartridge we talked about earlier. It was very appreciated. Sorry for telling people what your movie is called, and sorry for then going on this podcast and repeating uh, what your movie was called. God, can the Wicked movie just not? It's going to waste so much money. People don't want two Wicked movies. I'm thankful every day when a movie-to-musical adaptation... Excuse me, a musical-to-movie adaptation dies. I guess I'm thankful when a movie-to-musical adaptation dies, too. God, when they announced the Little Shop of Horrors remake, I I I wanted to Thelma and Louise it, boy. Boys. That's a gender-neutral boys. When you put a Z on it, it becomes a, a gender a gender-neutral term. <laughs> and the main reason, well, there are two huge things about why Little Shop of Horrors should never, ever be remade. And the first is that the original musical film, uh, as long as you're watching it with the director's restored ending, is, in my opinion, the best musical-to-movie adaptation ever. It understands tone, it understands the substance, it understands everything about what it's doing so perfectly. It's kind of a shame that Frank Oz never directed any more musicals, because he really had an eye for the tone of a musical film. Uh, it, it's The Muppets really lend... Working with the Muppets probably really lends themselves to that. Uh, and... And, uh, I know, and, and the other thing that made that original movie literally, like, incandescent magic sparkle pants was that, the, was the fucking plant puppet was all done practically. I don't, I, I think I read one time there's not one computer shot anywhere in that movie. It's all done in camera. It took, like, 60 or more people to operate uh, the giant Audrey 2 puppet that sings Mean Green Mother and all of the scenes for Feed Me and all of the mean and all of the scenes with the big plant had to be filmed in slow motion so that the lip sync tongue and like lips were perfectly articulated to what the plant was saying. Which means Rick Moranis is moving, acting, and lip syncing in slow motion every time he is in an in-camera shot with the plant, which is every time he's in a shot with the plant, because everything was done in camera. It's really incredible, and you know that is not going to happen if they remake it. It's just going to be a CGI monstrosity. Ugh, I don't need a cynical CGI Little Shop of Horrors starring the Scarlet Witch from the Marvel movies. It's the lady from the Marvel movies. (laughs) Are we done with those yet? Are we done with basically everything Disney is outputting yet? Like, it feels like they're treating 
their fans like they're it, it seems like they're treating the general populace like they're idiot maybe they're on to something treating the general populace like an idiot but it's just not the approach i use when i try to make art i try not to insult my audience maybe unless that's like the point of the piece and it's like a meta commentary thing but i don't feel like that's what disney is spending billions of dollars doing i don't think they're doing some brechtian andy kaufman thing like i am i think they're just uh creating horrible banal uh corporate made by numbers i don't even want to call it art they're products and that's the problem is disney movies and disney tv shows now are not art they are products and it shows that they are products and it's icky to watch that happen to like basically every beloved property uh in in the world it breaks my heart that they got the muppets like absolutely breaks my heart because the Muppets are it's time to end the Muppets because of the Disney era of the Muppets. It's time. To, it's And I have a Muppet tattoo. I am surrounded by Muppets. Can you can you see the Muppets in the room with you right now, Jonathan? All around me, sir, because Muppets are all around me right now. I've been obsessed with the Muppets since I was a kid. Uh, the Muppets are dead. You know what Disney learned when uh, they tried to remake the Han Solo movie when they tried to make a young Han Solo movie rather that Harrison Ford and Han Solo are mutually exclusive entities one does not exist without the other one cannot exist without the other audiences won't allow it I kind of think that is what has become of the Muppets the Muppets were those original performers and aside from Dave Goals who just let's be honest, won't be around much longer. He plays Gonzo. Everyone else from that old guard who made those characters entirely what they are, they're gone, and it's become this, like, flanderization uh, of the Muppet characters. It's got to be what Simpson fans feel, feel. Simpsons, another soulless entity owned by Disney. It's just sad to see all these once beloved properties turn into products and not turn into art. I would argue the original Muppet show is art, and I would argue the the Muppet should stay in that original era. Well, maybe they can stay up until about the Steve Whitmire era. And yeah, Steve Whitmire, the guy who was playing Kermit after Jim Henson died up until a couple of years ago, should have been fired based on everything I've heard. It's just a shame. It's just a shame. What has happened since then to the quality of the product? Sorry this has turned into a Muppet rant, but it's my podcast and I can do whatever the hell I want. The Muppet Show is the reason I love theater because I I was obsessed with The Muppet Show when I was a kid. More than I was obsessed with the movies or Muppet Babies or anything like that, I was obsessed with The Muppet Show because it was all of these idiots bumbling to put on a show. And that's how I became an idiot bumbling, trying to find other idiots to bumble along and put on a bumbled together show. It's it's become every part of my psyche, which is why I feel so strongly about it. If the Muppets exist, it should be things like live versions like they did at the Hollywood Bowl and the O2. Bring the Muppet show live to Broadway for three months and every month have a new Broadway guest star come in. Can you imagine if Patti LuPone was in the Muppet show live on Broadway? I don't know about you. But I would poop my inside, I would poop my organs out of my booty because I would be so 
gobsmacked and excited by that news. Sorry for giving you that image. Wow. How'd we get here? <laughs> uh, poor Into the Woods. What could have been with Into the Woods? Jordan Roth, you didn't justify the beans like you should have. I have from some inside sources that are very trusted uh, that Into the Woods has not had a thousand people a night go into it for a long time. It's been averaging around 800 people. They've had to close off the balcony. Uh, and it's, and then I go and I look at the ticket prices and the ticket prices did not drop after Sarah Bareilles and that first cast left, which like Jordan there, listen, this is not comparing their talents. This is comparing what a, what a average ticket buyer will buy and what they won't. They'll spend money to see a star air quotes like Sarah Bareilles. They'll spend $300 to go see a concert of Into the Woods, but they will not spend $300 to go see a concert of Into the Woods starring Stephanie and Sebastian. That's not a knock of Stephanie and Sebastian. Jordan, Jordan Roth, you could have had the next Chicago here, Jordan Roth. You could have run this forever. There's almost no set uh, it is all very minimal. This could have been your Chicago. This could have been your cow that lays golden eggs. Uh, are your what what lays harp that lays golden eggs? I don't give a fuck. You know what I'm saying, you geeks. <laughs> but what makes Chicago successful is their rotating cast, which you easily could have done with Into the Woods. There are so many different theater names you could constantly have in and out of these roles, and like little stunt casts that you could do. And it's because you can generally see Chicago for eighty dollars and under. That's hard to do with Into the Woods right now. If Into the Woods. You could easily see for $80 and under, I think they'd be pulling in 85 to 90% capacity every night. I don't know. I'm not a Broadway producer. This is just some this is just some piece of shit bullshitting in his parents' house in South Carolina because he fucked up his life. But from my perspective <laughs> From my perspective, it's just not the call I would make. <laughs> oh man. I see why I uh, am somewhat of a hated entity in some circles. You know what I mean? <laughs> so as I'm recording this, I get a blind that says, uh, I'm preface, I'm prefacing, I'm prefacing. What's wrong with me? The gas station Delta 8. I'm prefacing this blind by saying, I am not certain of this. I don't want to lose my credibility. I heard from a pretty reliable source that Sarah Brightman and Michael Crawford are in talks to return to Phantom for a strength in the last month. Apparently, Andrew Lloyd Webber offered them millions each to do it. Again, not sure about this, but I've heard a few people chatting. <laughs> oh, boy, I want that to be true from the full chaos of it. Have you guys ever seen that clip of Sarah Brightman trying to sing the title song from Phantom a couple of years ago and her eyes are crossing? Bring me the chaos! Bring me the chaos! Live out your sexual fantasies again through Phantom! Andrew, who cares? Who gives a shit? Can they sing it? No, they can't. Just pre-record it. Who gives a shit? That was a pretty low note. Can we have an applause? Can everybody at home, even if you're holding onto the wheels of a car watching this, stop and applaud that low note? Thank you. 
Oh, Andrew, you, Andrew, sure, you'll make your money even if they can't do it, sure, <laughs> why not, fuck it, chaos, woo! Maybe it's, I don't know, it always feels like Andrew is projecting a little bit, right, particularly with, with his female characters, particularly this one, particularly, I don't know, a story of kind of a weird-looking man who writes his masterpiece for a woman he loves and who kind of loves him, but she mostly just loves him for his talent, uh, not not his sexual prowess. <laughs> uh, and the work premieres, and it dooms their relationship. With some little murders thrown in. I don't think, I don't think Andrew, can you imagine Andrew, hello, I'm here to kill you. <laughs> Do you sorry? Tell me sorry. <laughs> I don't think Andrew's done some murdering like the Phantom, but I mean, Jesus Christ, that entire musical writing and creation process of the original cast was just utter projection, which makes me wonder what Andrew is trying to project by writing a goth Cinderella character in his 70s. But I get it, Andrew. I get that one, Andrew. We all want a goth girl to take us out back at Denny's and choke the shit out of us, and it's being projected through all of our art, Andrew. Totally get it. It's we can't we can't hate we can't hate the player. We have to hate the game. And I don't know who the player is, and I don't know who the game is. I just know that I want to be choked out by a pretty goth girl behind a Denny's, just like you, Andrew. <laughs> what the fuck am I talking about? Why are you listening to this? This is this is psychosis. This is this is going to be used in a YouTube video essay one day about about the evolution of psychosis they're going to point to episode five of the sweaty oracle podcast i'm thinking about retitling it the sweaty oracle show what do we think about show versus podcast is that something that we feel strongly about why am i talking to you guys like you can talk back to me broadway needs more theaters that's called a transition Broadway needs more theaters, and it's 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 Broadway. What Broadway really needs is a flex space, because the Circle in the Square is the only flex space, and that's always been a problem. And I truly think the Circle in the Square is about to be occupied for years to come with K-pop. Everyone is underestimating K-pop. K-pop is going to absolutely explode and become a giant bafo sako critical and commercial success. Mark my words, do not count out K-pop. And the only reason that's disappointing is because the only Broadway flex space is going to be eaten up for a long time. Thankfully, it's going to be eaten up with a great show. But boy, do we need another... In a perfect world, they would have raised the Palace Theater and stuck another flex space theater under it. But instead, we're getting retail space. Yay! Yay! Applaud for that note too, bitches. Motherfuckers. Motherfuckers. <laughs> Sound like Joey Diaz. There are technically two Broadway theaters, just uh they, they're just chilling, not Broadwaying. Uh one oh, I forget which theater it is, but there's a theater that is just kind of there. 
It might be a retail space now, uh, but it can't be used as a theater or it couldn't be used again as a theater because of how everything has developed around it. There's absolutely no load indoor. So everything would have to be built in theater, which is obviously a huge problem. And at one point, uh, there was going to be, and I'll, and, I'll, and I'll tell you the two names who were making it in a minute, and you'll understand why it's maybe for the best this did not happen. They were going to reopen that theater as a Broadway tourist attraction, as like a Universal Studios moving theater style Broadway tourist attraction called Broadway 4D. And it was going to have Hugh Jackman doing a bit from Chicago and Christina Aguilera singing Don't Cry From Me Argentina and Matthew Morse. Sorry, excuse me. Singing Singing in the Rain. Uh, and it actually, stuff actually filmed for this before the project fell apart. The project that was produced by Gary Goddard and directed by Brian Singer. If you don't know anything about Gary Goddard and Brian Singer, it's probably for the best. Keep your little soul pure. But they are horrible, horrible predatory men in about the worst way. In the, in the, in, in, in Brian's case, in the Epstein way. We, we already have enough of those fucks to deal with on Broadway without having them there. Am I right? So that didn't happen. And then you have the beautiful Mark Healinger Theater. <laughs> you know, I'm always like, why do people think uh, I'm gay? And then I'm like, the beautiful Mark Healinger. The beautiful Mark Healinger. <laughs> There's the beautiful Mark Hellinger Theater. Uh, the Mark Hellinger is where the original My Fair Lady played, where the original Jesus Christ Superstar played, uh, where all the... It's a huge, beautiful, lavish theater with a giant trap door space. It is like one of the best equipped theaters on Broadway. And the Nederlanders in the, I think, early 90s sold it to an evangelical church for basically peanuts what the building is worth now. Good job, Jimmy. Claps for Jimmy. Oh, Jimmy, 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 Jimmy. Why did you do that? Why did you sell the dirt? Why did you want Jim? Jim. Why? Jim, why? Why did you sell the Bell at the Ball Broadway Theater to the homophobes? Jimmy. Why? theater is beautiful the church has very well preserved it you can go in it's just you know scary because it's an evangelical church almost said no offense to the evangelicals but eh, it's offense to, full offense to the evangelicals we're trying to say what we mean in 2022 Andrew and Weber are Cameron McIntosh I forget which they're basically the same person so who gives a fork a forking fork bork 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 Tried to buy it at one point for a huge price, and they also said they would pay for the church to be relocated somewhere, and the church was like, uh, no, fuck you in the name of Jesus. Fuck you in the name of the Lord. <laughs> I'm so stupid. Why are you guys listening to this? 
I do see a reality where, you know, I don't there there are two things that are dying right now in America, and it's the shopping mall and the evangelical church. You know, they're not that different. They're not that removed from each other. So I can see a reality where the church cannot physically pay the bills to stay there and has to move to a different location and makes, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars selling the building uh, to to uh, back to like a theater producer. I'm going to look up how much the Nederlanders sold it for. Uh, hold on. I don't have a producer here who can look up things for me. Ding, bang, bing. Let's look. It was sold. It was sold in uh eight in, in eighteen ninety. That's none of those numbers are right. It was served in. It was uh sold in and excuse me. It was leased to the church in nineteen eighty nine by uh, the Nederlander organization, and then in nineteen ninety one, the Nederlander sold the Mark Healinger Church for seventeen million dollars. And then apparently the T is that in 1993, Android Weber tried to buy the theater for Sunset Boulevard. And then also Cameron McIntosh and Michael Bennett's estate uh, made offers as where oh Jesus, as well as Garth Dabrinsky, bleh, the Schubert organization and Disney. So basically everyone has offered this ch I slammed my computer down dramatically, forgetting that's how this was recording. Basically, everyone has offered uh, this church gobs and gobs of money only for the church to go, fuck you in the name of the Lord, fuck you in the name of Jesus, stick your money in the name of Moses, up your white ass. Sad church, it's sad that you would talk to Mickey Mouse that way. Oh, I'm so stupid. Broadway tea is so dry right now, and people are uh, people are are commenting shit on my videos. Like, get back to the tea. I will talk about what I want to talk about when I want to talk about. There is just no Broadway tea right now. Do you want me to make up a lie? Because you're tempting me to make up a lie to get you guys all riled up. And like I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not talking. I could, I could harp on Cinderella forever, but I'm not harping on Cinderella. I, I'm not talking about it anymore. I just want to say one quick thing about it, which is all of you people call all of you. I, I hope no one is going after the girl playing Cinderella because she was asked to do a corny thing by some of the most powerful men on Broadway. Some of you are pretending you wouldn't do much cornier things to to be the title role of a Broadway show. Some of you are like are like are like bluffing on the internet that you would have been like no I'm not doing that you most of you would do deplorable things to lead a Broadway show most theater kids I know would kill an aunt or uncle to even lead a bad Broadway show like this one theater people are 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 are, are their own league and what they're willing to do to make it so stop coming at this girl because the most powerful people in theater made her do some corny ass shit and then made her sing a Christian rock song about Cinderella. 
you all would do it too. I have no shame. I would even do it if Andrew asked. And I hate him. I don't hate Andrew. He's written some of my favorite, favorite, favorite uh, musicals. Uh, Jesus Christ Superstar is, I guess, the only thing I'm talking about. I really like Evita. I really like Four Songs from Sunset. Jesus Christ Superstar is is like, it's not the best musical ever written in my opinion, but it's probably my like favorite. I don't want to say guilty pleasure, uh, but I have like 280 recordings of Jesus Christ Superstar saved on a hard drive. So I guess you tell me what kind of pleasure that is because it's not guilt here. I'm one of the only people who has a full recording of Colm Wilkinson as Judas from the late 70s. I'm killing it in my Jesus Christ Superstar media curation. And I have Andrew to thank for that. But, and I, well, I'm not going to get to the but yet. I'm going to say one more praise. You know, people like Jordan Roth, people like everyone else on Broadway just went away to their fucking Fire Island homes when the pandemic happened. Didn't say a fucking thing to advocate for theater reopening. Didn't say a fucking thing to advocate for all of the artists and work people who were out of jobs and now close to desolate. Didn't say anything and did not try to publicly fight to get theaters reopened. It basically just showed back up when everything reopened a year and a half, dressed to the fucking nines. At least Andrew was out publicly and practically trying to get theater reopened during the pandemic, which none of you Broadway fucks in power were doing. Andrew was advocating for artists. Andrew was advocating for things to reopen. Even if he was saying wild as fuck ideas like let's spray disinfectant all over their bodies as they walk into a, the theater. At least Andrew was trying to get theater people paid, which cannot be said for most of the Broadway big wigs. Am I right or am I right? So before I bash Andrew, which I'm going to do... I just wanted to make those things impeccably clear, okay? That being said, Andrew Lloyd Webber is kind of a little, a little fucking menace. Andrew has dumbed down his shows like Jesus Christ Superstar and Evita. Well, really up until recently. The Evita in Regent's Park was fucking incredible. It was to, to recontextualize Evita as a Brechtian commentary of who Ava Perone is and setting it in like a Beyonce Coachella set type thing <laughs> Regent Park continues to be the best in the game so I guess Andrew's letting up a little bit but Andrew does things like uh what he did to the closing cast of Cinderella in London where he called them a costly mistake through a letter on stage that he was too fucking cowardly to drive an hour and 20 minutes up the road to say himself Andrew has only voted in the House of Lords when it was voting against poor people. It's hard. You cannot root for 73. And that's Broadway is 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 anti rooting for a new Andrew Lloyd Webber musical. And they have been since Phantom became a hyper success. Sunset Boulevard is better than anyone gave it credit for. But the Broadway tide had already kind of turned its back to Andrew, and then Woman in White, and Ask Jeeves, and yeah, you most of you probably didn't even know those productions fucking happened on Broadway. 
the pre-Broadway tour of Whistle Down the Wind, um, and all of his shows that have just opened in London, like that British sex scandal musical. No one gives a fuck about a new Andrew Lloyd Webber musical. He's coming in because he's a megalomaniac and he cannot read the room. He cannot read the room, even though his show flopped hard in London, that he is not the right person to write the story of a contemporary goth Cinderella. You know, if Trent Reznor of the Nine Inch Nails said that he wanted to do that, I'd be like, righteous, who gives a fuck? Cool. But not you, Andrew. You were never the one, baby cakes. You were never the one, you little cheeks. Want to squeeze your little cheeks? You never wanted to. <laughs> it's megalomania. And from every like documentary about people working with you, watch the documentary about the opening of Phantom in London. You're a bit of a megalomaniac. It seems like this is coming over to Broadway for pure ego. Why waste all of this money, my man? It's going to close in three hours, my man. Why don't you commission a musical about a pretty goth girl? And then you still get your pretty goth girl musical. Just jumping back. <laughs> Speaking of Trent Reznor, what happened to that Fight Club musical he was writing with Julie Taymor? Give me that! If you're going to give me a musical to movie adaptation, give me a crazy motherfucking thing like that. My God, can, can I get Julie on the pod? Does anybody have connections to Julie? I want Julie to be my first interview. I fucking love Julie Taymor. I fucking love that crazy woman. I think her crazy and my crazy would get along great. Let her direct the Nine Inch Nails Fight Club musical. Broadway needs a shake in the collar. Broadway needs to have its collar grabbed and shooketh. How'd I get here? You know... I think that is it and enough for an episode of the Sweaty Oracle podcast. I love you guys. Thank you for listening. Um, as always, you can submit theater blind items at Anonymous Gossip to JuicyTheaterT at gmail.com. That's theater with an R-E. That is also linked. That email is also linked to PayPal and Cash App. All donations go to keeping the show running. And by that, I mean all donations go to keeping me eating, which goes to keeping this show running, because at this moment, I am the only component of this show. This is Jonathan, the Sweaty Oracle. I have once again screamed myself hoarse in a 50-minute period for your entertainment. I love you, baby. I love you.